Hello and welcome to Beyond the Sermon. I'm Pastor Will Harley. I'm joined here with Pastor Dave Endorf, and we are missing one for our podcast today because he is he is struggling with some of his health, and so um, and now we had the uh, uh, um, just the two of us on, and so we want to keep him in our prayers as he struggles. Um, and ask the Lord to be with him as he is getting his checkup, and uh, hopefully everything will be good. So how are you, Pastor Endorf, this fine morning? I am doing fantastic. Awesome. And everything is doing well weather-wise out by you, or have you gotten some of the snow? We have a light dusting of snow, which the the two puppies enjoyed and, and made a muddy mess of the yard in. So that wonderful. is that is wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> if you're like my, say I have kids that we have three dogs and they hate to uh, go out in the in the slushy weather to clean up the dog pen, so it becomes even worse. Oh, <laughs> yes. So I'm just gonna type in here what we're gonna be looking at, um, and you were preaching on the gospel, right? Correct. All right. All right, so here we go. Advent 1. So there you are. If you would like to to look, we'll be posting hopefully the, uh, I don't know how Dave does all this, and I don't know if he has it preloaded or, or whatever, but uh, hopefully we'll have an opportunity to uh, get up everything and so you can see what we're going to be talking about. Um, again, Beyond the Sermon is an opportunity for us to just that, go beyond our sermons, give you a, a fresh look at at kind of what we talked about um, this last Sunday, but then also, you know, maybe dive into areas that we didn't quite get a chance to speak about and and uh, open up the conversation for um, more in the text than what maybe we were able to share. Again, this is the beginning of a conversation, so if there's something that piques your interest, write them in the chat notes so that we have an opportunity to, to bring that up. Um, of course, if you would like to talk with us at our congregations, we would love to speak with you. You can find me at St. John in Maribel, uh, Wisconsin, or you can find Pastor Endorf at... Brooklyn Lutheran Church in Brooklyn Park, Minnesota. Very good. You might have to drive a little bit if you were in the Wisconsin area to get to him, but it's well worth the trip and a, and a very good visit for you uh, if you would like to do that. And so we welcome you to, to be a part of this conversation. So I guess without further ado, let's um, jump on into our first text for today. What do you think? Are we ready to, to talk texts? I am. I'm ready. <laughs> All right. All right, here we go. Our first lesson for today, and I'm not going to do the the nice little flashy buttons that uh, um, Pastor Rudat usually does because he is much better at it than I am. Uh, but we are going to take a look at First uh, Corinthians chapter one, verses three through nine. This is the celebration of Advent one. Um, so. Many of your congregations, depending on how they were going to do their Christmas celebration for Christmas Eve, um, either are following kind of the, the prickby where Advent 1 started on December 3rd, or sometimes they would have bumped it back one week, uh, depending. That's what Pastor Rudot did. Um, but we're going to be dealing with Advent 1 and 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 3-9. through 9. Here we go. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God for you because of the grace of God given to you in Christ Jesus. You are enriched in him in every way, in all your speaking and in all your knowledge, because the testimony about Christ was established in you. 
As a result, you did not lack any gift as you eagerly wait for the revelation of your our Lord, Jesus Christ. He, also, he will also keep you strong until the end, so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, who called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. There's our text for today. Um, I, I preached this text. I, I guess my sermon theme was very simple in the sense that um, my, my theme was waiting for Jesus. I was, I don't know if you could get it any simpler than that. Um, and and I, I kind of uh, took it from the standpoint of when we wait for somebody in, in like a short term or when we wait for something in the short term, um, that seems to be pretty easy. And, and I kind of brought up the example of my daughter and my daughter went to her first sleepover this last month and um, it had been planned for a month. We had it in the calendar for a month that, you know, she was going to go to her friend's house. And as soon as that was made uh, on placed on the calendar and that was her decision, every day she woke up and say, how many more days until I get to go to my sleepover? How many more days until I get, um, I got to pack my bag. I got to get my toothbrush in my bag. And, and, you know, we were 28 days out and I got to make sure everything is in my bag and my clothes are there. And we're like, you, you got some time. It's fine. But she couldn't wait. You know, there was this expectation of something that was wonderful coming. And I said, and, and as the day got closer, as she knew when it was happening, things got exponentially more exciting for her. And, you know, she was on the best behavior and everything was going great. And, and I said, and we do that in life. I said, you know, when we wait for something and we have a date, when we're going to get it, we have a date and we know when it's going to happen, it's easier to wait. In fact, we almost get excited to wait. And then I brought in how sometimes, you know, we are forced to wait for things that maybe don't excite us. And, and, but yet we know that there, that date is coming. We can guarantee it. And, and so we can psych ourselves up for those things. And, and so as I, I kind of brought that in and I said, you know, when we have these dates and we know we're waiting for things, you know, we can plan and we can, we can, we can either say, okay, I'm going to stay on this diet and I'm going to do these things because I know this is coming up. And when this comes up, then I, and then I'll have an answer or I'll have a result. I'll have a, um, a fill in the blank. But I said, what happens when you don't know when the date's going to come, when you don't have that permanent spot or that permanent time and you're waiting for something that you, you really don't know what's going to happen? I said, we, we all begin to start to lose that enthusiasm. We begin to lose maybe some of the zeal that we had. We begin to lose some of the focus that drove us. And I said, and sometimes, most of the time, the little habits and the sins and the things that we were trying to cut out of our life, the things that we were trying to not be a part of, all of a sudden creep their way back in, right? Um, because the waiting is too long. And so we think, well, if it hasn't happened this week or it isn't going to happen next week, I'm just going to live how I want to live and then I'll be ready for it later. And I said, and that's kind of the people of Corinth. And I said, this is, this is the people of Corinth. I said the gospel came to them through, you know, Paul and in the gospel workers who the Lord sent and uh, Apollos. And what happened? They they were enriched. Their lives were changed. Um, they were they were given the gospel, and in their heart, they knew their Savior Jesus Christ. And then they were told He is coming back soon. <laughs> and soon became months, and soon became years. And then that soon, all of a sudden, 
wasn't so soon enough. They started losing people um, in the congregation. People were dying and, and going to heaven. Um, they started having some of those sins that they were trying to avoid and that they had left when they were changed, their heart was changed in the gospel, uh, started to creep back in. The wealthy started to, to use their wealth against the, the poorer people of the congregation, and they started to hold that above them in the practice of communion. They had um, some incest issues going on in the church, and I said some of these things started to creep back in, and I said, and so... They became this problem child of a church, right? They became a church that, that, by all intents and purposes, you would be like, they should probably close. They should probably disband. They, they were they were a, an issue, um, and that's because as they were waiting, all of these sins started to come back because it was too long. It just took too long. And I said, and that's where the beginning part of the letter really is is such a beauty and 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 so strong. Because as Paul writes to the Corinthians, he doesn't nail them for their mistakes, not out of the gate. He, he tells them who they are and what they are and why they are what they are and in whom they are. And, and, he, and he, he says those words, which are the beginning of every sermon or most every sermon, right? And he says them in such a way that, that really stop to make us think. Grace and peace. Grace and peace to you from, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, grace, undeserved love that produces a peace between you and God right now. And, and, and we know they're the problem church. <laughs> we know that they're the, they're the ones that are struggling. They're the ones that have these things that, are, that, are on the, uh, um, that you would pretty much say in any congregation, no, 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 this is horrible. You know, you are acting like sinners. Then he says, grace, you have grace and you have peace between God and because of Christ, right? You, you, this is yours. And then he follows it up with the words that until I got in the ministry, and I said this to my people, I said, until I got in the ministry, I never understood. And those words are, I give thanks to my God for you because of the grace of God that is given to you in Christ Jesus. And I didn't understand that until you get a church, right? Until you're, you really, you really get it when you're a pastor where you get into a congregation and you figure out that every congregation is a problem child. Every congregation, every congregation has their issues and, and, and you give thanks to the Lord every single day. And I told my congregation, I give thanks to the Lord every single day. I have an opportunity to serve you because of God's grace, because for every sin that you have to contend with and every attitude that you have to solve and every, every, uh, um, thing that seems to be anti-Christian that comes out within the congregation, grace is seen more and more and more. And I give thanks for that, and that that this is the opportunity we have as God's people to to share, right? And as ministers of God's people to give thanks for God for the opportunity to to give this grace. I then moved from there and, and to say, you know, he then highlights who they are and what they've received. You know, they are chosen, right? They've been enriched um, in every single way. The, and, and again, I kept bringing up, but they don't look it. They don't look enriched. They, they look like dirty, rotten, horrible sinners, but they are enriched in every way. They have all of the right words. They have everything they need. The, the words are there for them. The, the gospel is there for them. It is, it is there. They have the knowledge of the forgiveness of sins. It's there for them, and it's there for us. 
and we might look like a problem church and we might have our issues and we have our sins and we have our problems that that crop up in our life as we wait for the coming of the Lord as we are we're waiting to celebrate you know what Christmas is going to be and and what will be beyond that you know we don't know when Christ will come again but we have everything we need and we've been enriched in it and it's ours and and we have everything that that we could ever want going forward. And so he's confirmed us in this as I kind of worked my way through the text, you know, um, because of the testimony of Christ, that is the gospel. We are established in it, right? Even though we're sinners, we're established in it. It's ours. And it comes down to that, that we're made strong in the waiting. I don't know when the time is going to come, but we're made strong in the waiting. We can do this. We, we can, we can continue on. And it's not because of anything we've done, and it's not because of who we are or how good we are or how bad we are or, or any of those things. It's because of Christ, and it's because our God is faithful. And that's really where, you know, our God is faithful, and he will continue to do these things despite us because he's faithful. And he was faithful in sending his son when he promised. He promised that his son would come, and he did. And he was faithful in, in putting his son upon the cross for us, for our sins, and he did. And he was faithful in, in raising his son from the dead, and he did. And he's faithful in sending him to come again, um, and he will. And I said, and we will wait for Christ, and we can, because he is faithful, and this is who we are and what he has made us. Um, even though we may struggle, and we'll struggle today and tomorrow, um, but our God is faithful in the waiting. And that's kind of where I ended my sermon. So that was that was the general gist and flow of, of my text. I like it. I, I appreciate how your, your sermon really reflected the the text, which is always a good thing. <laughs> and and especially that encouragement that, yeah, because of God's faithfulness, you know, we we Look ahead to being faithful to the end, which is Paul's point as he's talking to the Corinthians. I think a lot of times people try to encourage faithfulness with with fear. You know. Well and 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 that was the hardest part. You know, he 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 doesn't you know, he doesn't really he he doesn't highlight our faithfulness, which is the the beautiful part about that whole introduction is he's talking to people who, by all intents and purposes, you're like, you're very unfaithful. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but but he doesn't highlight he doesn't highlight our faithfulness. He he highlights the faithfulness of God who who still established them and still is giving to them and still is. And, and I think there's something so there's something freeing and enriching in the idea of of my God is my God despite me and and my God is my redeemer despite me and my God is is my salvation despite me um because if it was up to me in any way shape or form in any step along that way I would have messed it up <laughs> and and I would continue yeah. to mess it up and, and there's just a beauty in recognizing that and coming to terms with that right um that that um, God doesn't give me salvation because I have turned to him. And God does not, God does not keep his promises because I am such a good and glorious person and I have, I have earned, earned it. He, he does these things because he's faithful and that's who he is. Yeah. And, and it's that, that freedom 
and, and that peace then that lets us do things that are, are truly good and God pleasing. Yep. You know? And and that's sometimes what I find to be so frustrating about people who are so legalistic and law based is you know, they, they want to tell you that, oh no, we gotta do these good and God pleasing things and, and look at my laws or works and, and deeds. And it's like, but you have neither. <laughs> you have neither the motivation nor the works. Yep. Yeah. You know? And 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 so when especially when we're talking about the end of the world and the second coming of Christ, you know, it is that peace that we want people to have. And I, I think when my little soapbox, I guess, is when we're talking about telling the difference between churches, you know, it's easy for people to say, well, it's so hard to tell the difference between churches, right? You know, listen to them talk about Christ's second coming. You know, what do you hear them say? Do you, do you hear them say, Christ is coming, it's all been taken care of, we rejoice? Or do you hear fear and worry. Christ is coming. You'd better be good for goodness sake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or do you hear Santa Claus is coming, you know? You know? And, well, but I mean, I mean, that's, I mean, I know it's coming close to Christmas, but we, you know, you hear those songs of Santa Claus and people are like, you know, they try to make that correlation between Jesus and Santa Claus, right? They try to make that correlation of, of, oh, absolutely. Of, and, and now you have a, a big fat man in a red suit that, that sees you when you're sleeping, knows when you're awake, which is creepy. Um, but then also, you know, judges you if you've been bad or good, as if you have any possible recourse to to change that. Um, yeah. But if you're, or quitting, if you even know what Santa Claus's standard is for being good or bad, exactly, exactly. And then you you look at that and you say, well, you know, if he's if he's like Jesus and gives like, well, then the answer would be, does Jesus judge me on being good or or bad, and how do I be good, um, so yeah. I don't get the coal. Um, in, in the but, eternal stocking. Yeah. You know, but this is just one of those standards or rules of thumb that people can take with them when looking at, at churches and, and preachers and say, you know, this is not the freedom and the peace God wants us to have. Yeah. You know? Well, you know, it's interesting about people in Corinth. I mean, they had the gospel and, 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 um, you know, in the very beginning of the letter, he says, I mean, Paul comes right out and says, they have it. I mean, really the, and I, I'd have to go back and reread, but I just did a, in my devotions, I went, I went through first and second Corinthians recently and, and throughout the entire thing, one of their problems wasn't fellowship. <laughs> I mean, that was, that was one that wasn't a problem for them. It was, it was other gross sins, right. And other misconducts and the thing, but they had the, they had the sacraments. They they were using them. They were just using them inappropriately. Um, they, they weren't, they were not practicing church discipline in a, in an appropriate way. Um, I mean, they, these are some, they, they were losing their hope because people were passing away and Christ had not yet come and they were doubting, um, if they were still going to be okay and found in, in heaven. Um, and so those are all things that, that needed to be confronted. Um, they didn't understand what it truly meant to, to love one another and, and have love as an action that is seen in Christ. Um, and so you had these beautiful, beautiful notes of of just loving correction that Paul gives to them, but it all bases it was all based off of 
Paul's initial, and this is where I kind of came to with my sermon, it was all based off of Paul's initial reaction to them saying, this is yours already. The, the yeah. grace is yours already. The knowledge is there already. The, the Lord has established it in you and, and has confirmed it for you. And, and it's still here for you because God is faithful, whether you're struggling or not. And so what, what would you have liked or what didn't you have time to cover, I guess? You know, I, um, I really did not have a chance to, so I, 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 I tackled kind of a lot of the, the bulk of that opening in a very cursory way. Um, I, I, because I was, I was really trying to hit home the idea of Advent, the idea of coming, um, of Christ's coming again. And I wanted to hit home the idea that in, a, in an roundabout way, and I wish I would have done it better, and, and I wish I would have said it specifically, and I didn't, that I can remember. I, I really wish I would have said, you know, we we really celebrate, in, the celebration of Christmas is not necessarily a celebration of Christ's birth, but is to be a celebration of his coming again. But we always are looking backwards, right? Um, we're always looking backwards backwards and we're celebrating an event that has happened instead of looking ahead to the event that will happen. Um, and, and, and I, I, I wanted to try to paint that picture that, that we are, we're in the season of Advent preparing for the coming King. Um, not past tense. We're not in the season of Advent prepared already for the coming or, you know, already prepared because he already came thousands of years, no, we're preparing for his coming again. And, and so we're waiting for that. Um, and then, and then I did say in the sermon, which, which I think led a little bit to that. I said, you know, we have these little mild markers, right? We have the little mild markers that we can place on our calendar and be eager in, a, in waiting for. And one of them is Christmas. Christmas is a mile marker that we have that we can place and we say, okay, we're going to celebrate this, but our focus should be that. And that's a mild marker, you know. Easter is a mild marker, right? Um, Christ has already died and he's already risen. That the tomb is empty. It it is not being refilled again. The cross is not, not not uh, does not have a hanging savior on it again. Um, but that's a mild marker that we go back and we look at it and we say, okay, this happened and we celebrate this. But we're looking ahead. We're looking ahead to the promise. We're looking ahead to what's coming, and and he's back in glory. And so. I wish I would have painted that picture maybe a little bit better. Um, I think I got the point across, I hope. Um, but I, I, I wanted, I think it, each of those little phrases, I think, need their own, um, need their own time in the sun because it's the introduction to, to Paul's letter and we so um, easily move fast through introductions. Like, like, oh, that's just Paul spouting off, you know, just his normal. And it's like, no, there's a, there's a reason. There's a reason he said these things and there's a reason why they were important in the beginning um, and that they were said in the beginning, not just because it's just his regular greeting. You know, no, it, it, he had a reason to, to, you know, say Christ nine times in, in a, in a paragraph. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> he, he had a reason that he brought up Christ nine times and you none, <laughs> like in the sense of you having to do anything. He brought, he didn't even touch that. It's in Christ, in Christ, for Christ, 
um, on account of Christ, enriched in Christ, you know, that could have definitely had um, its own time to shine, but not necessarily an Advent theme. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I wish I could have done better on that. I, I, I think I think those each could have had their own moment. What does it mean to be enriched? What does it mean to have all words? What does it mean to have all knowledge? Um, what What does that mean? And I didn't get into that. I had to import my law, too, I felt, um, in the sense that the text in that paragraph, it is all gospel. It It, it is all gospel. Um, and so I, I kind of had to import the law in the sense of saying, you know, this is found in a letter of people who are called to wait and given every opportunity to wait but didn't wait very well. <laughs> um, no, they did not. So I had to import that law and say we, we are also that way. We don't wait very well. But otherwise, I, I mean, it was a fun sermon to preach. Um, you know, it was, it was, uh, um, I have not preached a lot on Corinthians. I went back into my file and I noticed I just had not touched it very often. And I'd never preached this text before in my almost 15 years of ministry. So, you know, it's, you know, it, it was 14 years of ministry. It was, uh. It was good to preach it, so I was happy to do it. All right, so um, that kind of wraps up my um, attempt at sermonizing. And uh, you um, preached on Mark 11? 13. Oh, you had the other reading. I had Mark 11 up here for that. Oh, Well, I can read the Mark 13 section. All right. You're going to have to read the Mark 13. I don't have it up here because I used the Mark 11, 1 through 10. You used the other reading for the day. Yes. So um, I could, if you wanted to give me a minute and fill the air with uh, um, more news on on things, I can bring that up and we can read it if you just give me a second here. Um, I will do that. Okay, but I, I don't know what I would fill the air with. You don't know what you're going to fill the air with? Yeah, we're going to end up with dead air. We're going to turn the radios to something else. I doubt they are going to do that. Let's see here. All right, I'm going to move this over. To to set the stage for the Mark 13 section, you know, it's at the end of Jesus' ministry. It's during Holy Week. He has just finished... um, really addressing a complaint or a a question from his disciples. There we go. Yeah. uh, About the temple. You know, the the disciples had had looked at the temple and had marveled at, at, you know, this beautiful, solid stone temple that had been kind of rebuilt and expanded by Herod the Great. And so they were being sucked in by earthly glory. And so Jesus goes through the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem and then signs of the end of the world. And then he hits uh, Mark 13, 26. All right. And would you like me to read it? No, go ahead. Then you will see the Son of Man coming on clouds with great power and glory. 
And that time he will send out his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the farthest end of the earth to the farthest end of the sky. Learn from this illustration of the fig tree. Whenever its branch becomes tender and sprouts leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things happening, you will know that he is near at the doors. Amen, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things happen. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Watch, be alert, and pray, because you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going away on a journey. When he left his home, he put his servants in charge and assigned what each one was to do. He also commanded the doorkeeper to watch. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house is coming, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or early in the morning. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, keep watch. And so I, I had the theme of, um, you know, do not be surprised. Um, you know, and I started out by talking about a, a time I had, had talked with a person about, you know, that, that statement of Jesus about, uh, you know, this generation will not pass away. And the Greek word there, uh, generation, and what it actually means, because he thought this disproved all of the Bible. You know, and so I pointed out you know, that the Greek word there means um, you know, a, a group of people who have something in common. Very often, it's that they were born at the same time. And so we translate it generation. But it, it just means they have something in in common, and so, you know, some places it's just translated as kind. Uh, Jesus, whenever he uses it, or often when he uses it in other places, talks about a, a wicked and idolatrous generation, and it comes into English as the word genus, like genus and species, and talked about how it didn't bother people until, you know, who knew Greek. And when they saw that that generation died, who had all been born at that time, you know, that this is something that bothers people who don't know Greek. And he didn't care, you know, because he wanted to disagree with the Bible and disagree with God's word. And, and that this is the type of attitude that Jesus is pointing to, that the people who who hate God, who, who don't want to listen to God, are always going to be with us. And when he talks about, you know, wicked people, he means something different than just people who go out and kick puppies. You know, he means people who um, are, are like the, the people of his time, people who are like Pharisees, who are, are legalistic, who want to focus on self-righteousness. He means people like the Sadducees who are, you know, greedy and, and don't care anything about God and his word. He means people like the Roman soldiers who had 
weapons and abused their their power and uh, authority and were violent. Uh, he means people like the the sinners and tax collectors who decided that their personal pleasures were um, more important than God and being a part of God's people. And and so even though the Bible talks about the ones who had repented, you know, they, they had something to repent from. You know, they had committed those sins. And, and this is the generation that, you know, Jesus had come to address. He was born into, and it's the same generation, you know, that we can see nowadays. It has not passed away. And it's the same things we see in us. And so what Jesus was talking about here is, is absolutely true. The generation has not passed away. And that's why Jesus wants us to keep watch and not be surprised that we're going to keep on seeing these things um, until he returns. But what he's also doing here is paying for those sins and that this is the this is part of holy week is his his march to the cross um and so he pays for all of those sins of the the wicked generation as he dies on the cross to take them away but he's also preparing his disciples to go out and and he's moving them from being you know that wicked generation to being the ones who are going to go out and share that gospel message. And so he's the one who, who not only died for the sins of the wicked generation and for the wicked people, but he's the one who has built that church, you know, that calls the wicked generation out of darkness to, to show them God's love and, and to show them the new life in Christ. And, and he's been doing that for 2000 years so that that gospel message has, has traveled from, from here in Jerusalem where people were, and even the apostles and disciples were obsessed with this big, beautiful temple to, to now where you know, we hear it in, in Brooklyn Park and, and um, Emmanuel Shirley and, and St. John's and Maribel and wherever anybody's listening. And, um, and, and so then when we see in, in our world today, when we see that wicked generation you know, it's it's tempting to to worry you know well how can how can god deal with the violence or the the greed and the selfishness or the 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 legalism or or whatever it is you know but god's been doing it for 2000 years you know god's been conquering it for 2000 years first on the cross where he paid for it by his innocent suffering and death and and then through the, the means of grace as his church, you know, spread to the ends of the earth. And he's got this amazing track record that, that we rejoice in, that he has um, conquered uh, this side of heaven. And then we also recognize that you know, we see the other signs that he's talking about, that this world is passing away. And so we know that he is going to come again. And that he's warned us that, you know, it, it could be a long time. Uh, 
says right there. It could be um, evening, midnight, as the rooster crows, or even early in the morning. But he is going to come. And, and what do we see? Wars, rumors of wars, the very things he warned us about. But we know who is coming, and that's what we wait for. We, we wait for the one who loved us so much he died on the cross to pay for our sins. We wait for the one who at the right hand of the Father has been spreading the gospel message first through his apostles that he was training here and, and then faithfully through the church who has not been surprised as, as he you know, dealt with this wicked generation you know, for 2,000 years so that we could hear the gospel message. He's the one that we are watching for. And so when we keep watch, it's not, um, it, it's not, you know, just sort of standing around and, and doing nothing. It's focusing on the fact that even when we see these, wick, this wicked generation, we still know that God loved us so much he died for our sins. We still know that he is victorious and will come again. We still know that the gospel message will spread and is the power of God for the salvation of all who believe and that that's what we share with the people who need to hear it. So we keep watch by sharing that gospel message with ourselves and with those who need it. Very good. <clears throat> so I, I like how you, you kind of, there's a ton in here that, that you can be like theological sticking points. <laughs> And and I like how you you constructed your sermon in a way that kind of just highlighted the hope, right? The the hope of our generation isn't any different than their generation, and and you kind of because I I know there are, you know just some theological sticking points that that you can you could have brought up and and maybe you wish you did, um you know no one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven or the sun. <coughs> you know, but only the yeah. father that, that there's, there's one. Um, well, and, and that's a good one to, to talk about because it's something I didn't get to, um, you know, but, but that's Jesus in the incarnation, you know, that, that this is, you know, again, how much God loves us that he gave up heaven itself, you know, the free and the full use of his, uh, his abilities as God to, to be born under the law for us, you know, and, and that would have been one aspect of the gospel I, I could have spent time on, um, but I did go in a different direction. And that's fine. That's what I'm saying. I mean, yeah. I think, I think, uh, um, you know, that idea of, of keeping watch, you know, that uh, the idea, it, very similar in, in, in a lot of senses, you know, waiting for, like mine, um, same kind of focus of the what is coming, not yeah. necessarily dealing of what happened behind, but what is coming. And I think you did a really good, uh, a really good job explaining that. And in that section just before uh, verse 32, you have that section of this generation will certainly not pass away until all this has, uh, all this happens. And that is, uh, that's a hard one, right? 
that you know what generation is he describing and i think you did a really good job of of colliding the two generational ideas together and saying yes he's talking about the people who are his audience but <laughs> we're not any different <laughs> than the people who were his audience so it's that same generation right um well and 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 really i, I think as you dig into that word gana'a it really is not really a equivalent to the word generation that that we have right you know that there is some overlap and it sort of got brought into english that way but just the way it's used it's it's more like kind of people or type of people sure than then we would use it. You know, it's not like Gen X won't pass away until I come again. It's, it's you're going to have wicked and idolatrous people until so I may, come again. So maybe just saying this type of people will certainly not pass away until I come again. Yeah. You know, yep. the troublemakers, the sinners, the people who sit in our pew. Um, the people yes. who preach in front, um, they're, they're not going to change and they're going to be there. They're going to be there. Very good. Um, so I guess maybe taking a step back and just saying, you know, what, what would you think you wish you would have spent more time on after it was all said and done? You're like, I wish I would have hit this home a little bit better or, or brought that up. Um, well, I, I don't know if, I think one of the things I didn't have time to, to focus on, you know, verse 31, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. You know, did not talk about at all, you know, that when we look at, at what it means for the world to end, you know, for us, this is a good thing, you know, that, that heaven and earth are, you know, this is the separation that we have because of sin. And we, when you look at how the book of Revelation pictures it, it's heaven and earth merging because God dwells with man again, and, and that sure. separation is gone. And, and so this is not something for us to be worried about. This is something for us to rejoice in. You know, this is not a disaster movie where we're paddling, <laughs> you know, a canoe in an acid river and... And, and hoping to survive or something. It's, sure. It's, uh, th this is us being caught up together with our Lord in the air and, and recognizing that, you know, now we are reunited body and soul in our glorified Christ-like bodies. And, and what God meant for us at creation is finally restored. You know, and, and so when God talks about his words will never pass away, you know, this is that that promise of 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 God that that we are His children you know, from our baptism that now is fulfilled into eternity. You know, and so it's never going to pass away because now it's fulfilled. You know, when when He has put our name on us, now you're in heaven and it's eternal and everlasting. And so we rejoice sure. in that. Well, and yeah, and that. I, I would say, you know, you look at those words and what a comfort that is that that all the promises that God makes, you know, everything he says in his word are the things that are lasting. Everything else is 
transitory, you might say. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, that's that's a neat thing. You know, you think about it. Well, my baptism, you know, is my baptism just for now, or does it translate into eternity? No, it's 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 into eternity. You know, the the words of the uh, so, and maybe this is maybe not where you would go, but my brain goes because you went to baptism. It, my brain goes to the sacrament of the altar. And you think of, you know, we are that there in that sacrament of the altar is a reflection of the feast going on in heaven now, right? And there's that reflection there uh, of what we receive and what, what we will have. Um, and so those things are lasting. These are God's words, his promises lasting for us. I mean, there's just some beauty there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And and that's something we get to look forward to. And I, I think... We don't want to make the mistake of, of carrying those those warnings and those signs of the ends of the time into the last day for believers. Sure. That there are wars and rumors of wars, but then when Christ returns and we are caught up with him, you know, this is all done. Right. And and I I remember uh I don't remember who it was, but I remember in, in class with um, like the first professor who was telling me about the book of Revelation and, and the last battle that I had this picture of a last battle actually taking place. And and then he was telling me like, no, there is no last battle. It's just that everybody draws up and then it ends because he is God and there is no last battle. He and he takes the field and it's over. <laughs> Yeah. You know, there's no yeah. fighting against him. It's just done yeah. because he's God, you know, and so he separates the sheep and the goats out and it's, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, and, we fail to realize we like to see, you know, we, we like to think we would like to see the angels taking up arms and we like to see all the saints in heaven, you know, clad and ready for battle. And yet what you see in the book of Revelation is the white robe martyrs. You see everybody in white robes standing behind the Lord, and he is the only one carrying his his sword into battle. Um, and there's Christ, <laughs> and that's yeah. it. <laughs> so who else gets to fight? You don't need to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and we're not actually going to have a fight. I'm, I'm going to say go, and they're going to leave because <laughs> yeah. I'm God, and they're not. Yeah, so in other words, the last battle is right now. Is that what you're saying? We're, we're, we're fighting and duking it out now. <laughs> sort of, yeah. <laughs> Those saints don't look so saintly, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not no. so much. Well, no, that was a good, it was good. I, I thought you did, uh, the way you approached it was very, very well. So um, so just maybe uh, getting into some of the knit and gritty would have been, uh, been a way for you to spend more time on some of those things. But, you know, like all sermons, you only get 40 minutes. So, you know, like- <laughs> I think I kind of may have been hitting for closer to 40 minutes on this sermon. So, yeah. oh. Well, very good. Anything else you'd like to add then to, to your sermon there or to what your thoughts were? No, not, not. Oh, there's always more I'd like to add. Uh, I'll just have to save it for another sermon. Probably. All right. I wanted first things you say in the next sermon. I wanted to say this to you last week, <laughs> but I didn't get a chance to. So I'm going to say it to you now. Now we'll move on. No. 
All right. Well, since we don't have anything else, and Dave, uh, Pastor Dave Rudat is not with us. Um, for those of you who are maybe just joining and didn't catch the beginning of the show, uh, Pastor Dave Rudat is not feeling very well. He's he's kind of under the weather. Um, and so that we ask uh, the Lord to be with him. He is seeing a doctor today, I do believe, about that. And so hopefully they get some answers for him and um, we'll help get him healed up, at least uh, if there's some medicine that can help with that, whatever he's he's being ailed with. Uh, we hope and pray that that kind of kind of goes on, and that we we have an opportunity to see him back. Um, our plan was going forward that we would have a show on Thursday, and we would be starting to uh, deal with a new series called uh, uh, "What Is the Difference Anyway," and um, we'd be kind of looking at our first topic of dualism. I don't know if Pastor Rudat wants to be a part of that conversation, and if so, we'll probably wait for him to, to kind of get back into health so that he would be able to, to spend some time talking with us. If he says, hey, go go for it, then you will get just Pastor Endorf and myself, and there will be no dad jokes, and um, I mean, it will be a very sad event, but probably well worth tuning into, so... Um, if you'd like to follow us on Facebook, please do so and keep an eye on on the, the things that come up for interest. Um, usually those get popped up there as, as we create them. And um, that'll let you know if we have a show this Thursday or if it, we'll be pushing it off to the next Thursday. But next Tuesday, we will be back again with an opportunity to go beyond the sermon. And so we'll be taking a look at the second Sunday of Advent. Um, and that will be a good opportunity for us then. May God richly bless you as you go about your day. Any final words that you'd like to give to the people there, Dave? Seeing that there's nothing <laughs> other than a very big smile, may God richly bless you as you go about your day, and we will see you when we are on the air once again. <laughs>